Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tribune Audio Network. I don't know if I was just overwhelmed by the task of telling that story or if I was just so heartbroken for what that family was going through, but we had to cut because I couldn't keep it together. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Back in action and back in town. With football season underway, former Fox Sixer Jen Latta is once again front and center as one of the faces of ESPN's College Game Day. You can have all of the AP polls tell you where you rank, but when game day rolls into town, it kind of feels like, okay, it's legit. We really have something going here. We caught up in her North Shore backyard to find out what it takes to be one of the best feature reporters at the network why authenticity and confidence are so important to her success, and some of her favorite spots now that she's once again living in the Milwaukee area. Plus, some superlatives with the biggest names at ESPN, the best games she's ever covered, and what is still on her sports bucket list. And we'll have the Fox 6-pack of questions with reporter Angelica Sanchez. But first, let's kick things off with Jen Latta. We are hanging out in the uh, beautiful outdoor backyard of Jen Latta here, recently moved back to Milwaukee, and we'll get into a lot of that. Uh, we are taping this a few weeks early in kind of the quiet before the college football storm. But by the time this airs, Jen, uh, you'll be in the thick of it. Describe to me, uh, and we'll get into lots of different things here, but specifically working for college game day, we know what the atmospheres are like for college football. What is the energy like the morning of when you guys are on site? There's been a huge buildup for a massive game, and you guys are there in front of all those crazy fans. Oh, it's really incredible. It's it's, um, it's one of the best environments I've ever been in. And I'm not even talking about once we step outside of our production office and to the mass of fans with their signs and their energies and, you know, their their Red Bull, because clearly something's been keeping them awake since the early Some other things probably too, mornings. Right? Yeah, but let's keep it PC for now since college students are on that weird line of can you right. imbibe or can you not imbibe? Um, it, it, every person on college game day is so incredibly talented and they are the best at their respective jobs, which is why when they first asked me to be a part of the show, I was so naive to what it involved. You know, I had covered the Badgers for seven years in Wisconsin, and then I went to Chicago where college football isn't a real big draw. Obviously, they've got, you know, fantastic professional teams. But when you talk about the college space, which is where I grew up in northern Illinois, you know, you're talking about Northwestern, maybe peripherally Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois is oftentimes very good in the MAC, but there just isn't a huge presence there. So it wasn't something that was second nature for me. So when they asked me to join the show a few years ago, I was like, yeah, that could be cool. And the boss kind of looked at me like, you this realize a, how big a deal this that's is, That's right? literally <laughs> what he said. He was kind of like, this is kind of a big deal. Kind of like, I thought you'd be more excited, but it was just my own naivete of, yeah, I just want a job, man. So yeah. put me somewhere. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And um, it has really worked out. So every time I walk into that production office, I feel so lucky to be surrounded by those people because Reese Davis is one of the best hosts in the country, certainly one of the best at ESPN. And our analysts are all quirky and smart and fantastic and funny and Lee Corbett so is just like the heartbeat of that program and then to work with Tom Rinaldi and Gene Wojciechowski as features reporters I mean I remember meeting Tom Rinaldi at a golf outing here in Wisconsin years ago and going up to him and just fangirling because at the time Fox had done this um, Fox 6 that is had done this um, feature 
emphasis at 9 p.m. where every 9 p.m. sportscast was a feature, a yeah. local feature from our community. Happy to say we're still doing those. And too. I was lucky enough to be a part of that inception. And so Tim and Tom and I had to put great emphasis on finding local features. And I really feel like that's where my storytelling skills started to get honed so i don't know that if i'm at espn and i get kicked a feature randomly like i did a couple years ago before i was on game day i don't know if i have that skill set if fox 6 hadn't made it a priority and cultivated that so it's just funny how everything ends up working out i get to espn i don't really have a role i'm trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none and do whatever they need me to do and that's what i did for a while and then I got kicked a feature. It happened to be on the Cubs because I'm a Cubs fan. So they thought it was like an easy, and they're always looking for female voices in the feature space. So it just, I can't think of anything other than fate kind of throwing all of those elements together. Um, and I always tell the story where the boss came to me after I did it and was like, hey, we noticed you rewrote the script. Why? And I was like, God damn it, Jen, you couldn't just leave well enough alone. You couldn't just track the piece the way they gave it to you and just not, you know, be an irritant. And I was like, well, I just thought that the writing could use a little bit of work. And um, I'm so sorry. I will never do that again. And he was like, no, no, no. He's like, you took it from like a C to like an A minus. And I was like, huh. All right. Okay. All right. That's great. And he made a mental note of that so that when game day was looking to expand its feature staff, Mm and they wanted a female specifically, I was the person that they pinned for it. So again, I can't ever, like, I'm giving you the breadcrumbs, right? I'm giving you the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs of how I got onto college game day. But even today, several years later, I'm still in awe of the process. And I'll get to some of that because I I think your journey is really interesting and certainly uh, a credit to hard work and dedication over the years. To start off with a little more fun, though, when you are on on a college campus like that, you, like you said, you cover the Badgers with Fox 6, but a lot of that's Packers. In Chicago, it's mostly Bears. What is different about a college atmosphere? What are some of the ones that have popped to you in uh, the first experience on game day? I think every college environment is different. Um, you know, Tuscaloosa has a, has a history of success. There's almost a, a quiet confidence about the fans. Don't get me wrong, they're passionate as hell, but they just kind of know that they belong. Uh, Clemson is getting to that point as well when we've gone down there. Um, and then there are other teams that are like, just not just happy to be there, but just like when game day rolls into town, it feels as though they've made it. It feels as though there's a significance now to what they're doing. We went to Miami, uh, I think it was last year, and you could just tell that, you know, with the turnover chain mm-hmm. excitement and how well they were doing in the ACC, you can have all of the AP polls tell you where you rank. But when game day rolls into town, it kind of feels like, okay. <laughs> It's legit. We really have something going here. So um, it's hard to compare environments because everyone has its own little idiosyncrasies. But the the thing that they all have in common is just this unabashed, palpable passion that when we come into town, we can't help but feed off of. Yeah. You know, And then we feel like, damn, if they're putting all this effort in as a fan base and as a community, then we better bring it as well, right? We don't want to be the like disappointing part of this weekend for this college fan base. Yeah, very nice. Um, just to, you recapped a little bit, but just to kind of catch people up, if they're not familiar with your career, Northern Illinois originally, and then I believe Rockford, Milwaukee here for seven years at Fox 6, Comcast Sports Net Chicago after that, and on to ESPN, and one of the things I, I try to do before these interviews is do some research, read some articles, things like that, and every advancement that you had your bosses at the time were quoted as she is a grinder she's a hard worker she she's gotten here and she's succeeded by putting in that time and effort how how proud are you of that maybe that you have been recognized that way and also how important has that been to your success and your advancement so I always think the most important thing that someone can say about you is that you're talented. And sometimes that gets lost in the mixed when, when people are thinking of these other things, right? I appreciate being called a bulldog. I appreciate being called tenacious. I appreciate being called assertive uh, and a hard worker and all of those things. But I think at the end of the day, there has to be some talent behind it. And I don't think that that should ever be ignored, right? Sure. Like some you can work really, 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 really hard. And if you're just not good at your job, like... They're just not going to continue putting you on television. So um, I think I got lucky in that when I was very, very young, my parents started me. And again, none of this was like intentional. None of this was like 
10 years from now we see her on television sure. it was just kind of what i gravitated towards so i was a i was a lector in church on sundays and at a pretty young age like i was in fifth grade you know toting the giant bible book up to the lectern and then reading the first reading or the second reading and um and i was in plays when i was young and my parents put me in pageants not because i was like this girly girl who you know wanted to wear a crown but because there was scholarship money involved and we came from you know a blue collar middle class family and so any additional fundage towards <laughs> college was absolutely going to be put to good use if you will um and so i feel like all of those types of things kind of cultivated that idea of presenting yourself and being confident in front of a crowd and being able to articulate what you're trying to say so again all of that kind of led to when i got to marquette knowing that i wanted to be in broadcasting um but i didn't know that women could be sportscasters um, which sounds really archaic now in 2019, yeah. but at the time it just wasn't a fad. It wasn't a trend. There were a smattering of women here or there who were doing it, but it wasn't something that like when you looked around at the space of women's careers that was featured. So I kind of fell into that as well. I had a couple of guy friends in a broadcasting class at Marquette who were talking about Marquette basketball. I happened to be dating a guy on the basketball team, so I felt like I knew some of the ins and outs of what was going on as far as, you know, rosters and who was playing and who wasn't and, you know, why things were working out the way they were or weren't. And I just got into a conversation with them. And I'd always been a sports fan. Um, but one of them said to me, like, you should do sports broadcasting. And that was kind of like the light bulb, the impetus for, hmm, okay, well, if that's a real thing, and I'm still not sure, you know, jury's still out, maybe that's something I'd like to pursue. And then I started in earnest pursuing that. Yeah. So when you talk about hard work, like, I do feel like the groundwork was laid well before it even occurred to me to follow that path. But once I was on that path, then I was going to exhaust every option available to getting better at it. And what I say now is, in retrospect, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I benefited from that naivete again, kind of like the same yeah. as in the college game day manager's office. I knew that I needed to know more, but I never let what I didn't know keep me or make me self-conscious about being in that space. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of young professionals make is they think they walk into a room and everybody's looking at them like they're a phony, but like everybody's focusing on themselves. You know, and sometimes you allow the idea that other people think I don't belong here to keep you from actually stepping through that threshold. And so call it ignorance, call it being naive. That was never something I was aware of. I was just like, well, I'm here. I, I assume I, I assume I belong. Right. They gave me this press pass. So it's legit. Um, and that was kind of like why I think I had success at every stage because I never felt like I didn't belong. Yeah. Thankfully, we've come a long way to 2019, obviously more to go, but uh, you and I are both parents of young daughters, years a little bit older than mine, but do you take that kind of uh, presence that you have now, both on air for people online as well, as a chance to be that role model that maybe you didn't have? A million percent. And I think the best thing that I can do is just be as authentic as I can be. It's like a major tenet of my life is to not feel the need to be validated by external nonsense right like in 2019 there's so much pressure to collect followers and likes and you know interactions and even on some level people who feel like they're validated based on their salaries right like well what do you make well what do you make well what do you make well what does it matter you know do you make enough to pay your bills do you make enough to live a comfortable life yes 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 fantastic um i think we get caught up in measuring our self-worth on all the wrong things so as a parent of i have a 10 year old boy and we have a one and a half year old girl i'm very conscious of raising them the same way like i'm not going to tell my son go climb that tree and tell my daughter you stay on the ground you know, if she wants to climb the tree, we're going to do everything we can to help her, you know, reach that goal, whatever it may be. So I've never felt like gender roles are something we adhere to. Um, and that went for my son as well. You know, I've told this story before, but when he was a kid, you know, mom used to go get pedicures and he'd come with and sit on my lap and he wanted to get his toes painted. Well, there was no way in hell as a female sportscaster who had heard throughout her career, women shouldn't be doing that 
that I was going to tell my son men or boys shouldn't be doing that. And I knew that, you know, he would either continue it and it would be fine or he would not continue it and it would be fine, right? Like sometimes we get so caught up in things that are so mundane and so insignificant and we worry about the perception and all those things. And you know what? Kid turned seven years old. He didn't want to paint his toenails anymore. Go figure, you know? So like it just, I'm very conscious of things that have traditionally been male or female being neither in this household. The authenticity, I think, is something that also comes through both in your on-air presence and social media accounts, things like that as well. I, f- I feel like you present who you are in a lot of cases. Obviously, that, that's a little different with hair and makeup on TV and things like totally. that. But is that something as a as a younger reporter, say, when people saw you at Fox 6, did you have that, that confidence, that authenticity at that point? Or does that come with experience and growing in that role? It certainly comes with time. Um, the more credibility you gain, the more you realize that people value you for your thoughts and your content and not so much what your appearance is. Um, appearance is important in television. We know yeah. that. If I were to sit it's here and tell you, it doesn't matter at all. You'd be like, oh, Jen, not so authentic right now, are you? <laughs> so, yes, it's it's a part of it. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that I need to be wearing makeup or being dressed up when I'm not on television. That is a prerequisite for when I'm on TV. It is not a prerequisite for my life. I always tell people, this is as, when, when you see me on TV, this is as good as it gets. Like this is, I have professional hair and professional makeup artists and we have stylists who pick out certain clothes for us. Although I do tend to often, you know, go my own route on clothing. Cause again, I think it's such a reflection of like who you are and again, being authentic to who you are. But no, I don't, I don't feel that pressure in, in my daily life to maintain a certain level of of appearance and I think that goes back to other people's expectations like if you were to meet me in the grocery store and be like I met Jen Latta no makeup not great you know what I mean like that doesn't affect me one way or another because when I'm on TV I've got my makeup on I've got you know I've got my stuff together and you know I'm always going to take my work very seriously even if I don't take myself very seriously and the work's going to speak for itself in that regard too kind of going along with the authenticity I think you're also someone who's not afraid to give her opinion about things or or be open about things as well I know you've spoken quite honestly about uh, different sexual harassment things you've experienced or witnessed in the workplace you've spoken openly about miscarriages in your personal life as well. And I'm thinking even policy things when the, the Special Olympics decision came out, the education secretary was looking into a cut in funding. You're someone who was not shied away from that. And that's not always the case. I think with with journalists, they kind of have to make a choice. Am I staying out of this or am I going to share my opinion? What I think? Why is that something that, that you have been willing to be open about? I don't really know there? any other way. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. I mean, I definitely have been advised at times to censor myself a little bit more. But I think if it's something important to me and I feel strongly about that, I will try to find a non-offensive way of articulating it. I kind of take pride in being able to engage with people on social media without insulting their intelligence and without, you know, just stooping to the lowest common denominator level. Which is not um, the easiest to do right, on those platforms It's really, either. really easy to exchange insults. It's super easy. It's like the... The easiest thing you can do on social media is to call people names. But I try to recognize that everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody has different experiences. And more often than not, our experiences are what dictate our opinions. Um, So I do take pride in trying to educate myself on other viewpoints. I will never post an article on Twitter without reading it. I never blind post, and that's just a personal preference of mine because if I'm going to put it out there, I want it's not necessarily an endorsement per se. I may not agree with what an article or a column says, but I will at least value its contribution to the conversation. I like being able to have an opinion, defend an opinion, and have a conversation about it. And the only way you do that is if you're willing to throw your opinion out there into the ma- into the space, yeah. you know, into that conversation space. I totally acknowledge that people aren't always going to agree with me. I am fine with that. Um, you know, ESPN has a policy on politics that's fairly known, well-known. Some people have gotten in trouble for being exceedingly vocal about politics. It's just not a space that I need to delve into. My family, my friends, you know, colleagues know where I stand politically, but I also don't think that it's worth alienating a portion of the audience that would only view me as X or Y and then would be blinded, 
you know, to any of the other work that I'm doing, to any of the other content. You know, it's like this. We were taught very early on in broadcasting, television specifically, never to be a distraction, right? So if a hairstyle is something that the audience is going to pay, you know, exclusive attention to while you're speaking, well, then you've just wasted all the time you did, you prepped that sportscast. A pair of earrings, if it's alt- if it's distracting and the audience is like, what is she wearing? Then they're not listening to what you're saying and you may as well not be up there. I may as well be going up there and saying the ABCs. Right. Because they're not listening to what I'm saying. So similarly, if you have a reputation out there of being a certain political, you know, uh, uh, affiliation, they immediately are going to look at you through a prism. And and I'm not doing my job, which is to provide the sports information or to tell someone's story. And so if I'm trying to tell a touching, emotional story about a young football player and someone, and all they see is an elephant or a donkey when they look at me, then I'm already doing that young man a disservice. I want them, I want to be the conduit for that young man's story and tell it as authentically and as empathetically and as honestly as possible without there being all of this stuff, you know, this fog kind of mucking it up for him and his family. So that's where I stand when it comes to that stuff. On the topic of storytelling, what are some of your approaches when you get a topic, when you get a a subject? How do you start to craft that story and start to build what will be a, a truly impactful piece by the end? The process of telling stories and being a features reporter is so involved and people always see the finished product. Um, whether it be on E60 or whether it be on College Game Day or whether it be on SportsCenter. We don't ever feature the process involved in telling stories. Many of these are months in production, sometimes years in production. I have a feature that's airing this fall that I pitched back in January that finally got greenlit in March that we started shooting in April and won't hit the air until September. You know, and that's a, that some people would say is a short process, right? right? Like for some of these uh, producers and reporters I work with who will spend years following a story before they see it to fruition. So there is absolutely a patience involved, right? And in this microwave society where I want to to prove to everyone that I'm over here busting my hump and working, that can be challenging. You know, like, hey guys, still over here, still working on that piece. Promise it'll be worth it. Just hang with me for the next, you know, 365. Keep cashing um, the checks right, too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. From a manager right. standpoint as well. Sometimes you feel like you have to remind them of what you're doing and what's involved. But it is very fulfilling because of the work involved and how long it takes to sometimes do this. But I will also say, Carl, that it is very challenging and it can be draining. And I don't even mean from a workload standpoint. I mean from an emotional investment standpoint. I have now done a handful of stories where the subject was... Uh, in failing health when we met with them and has since passed away. Uh, That is not easy. It is never easy to receive that email from the family members saying, we just wanted to let you know that so-and-so is no longer with us. I guess the hope is that you've created some type of legacy with the feature that you did that reached this very large audience at ESPN and that hopefully the way that you've portrayed them and represented them is something that their family is proud of and that they would, you know, feel good about sharing with people, you know, kind of in a memorial type of way. Similarly, a lot of the stories that we do have to do with adversity and some of that adversity is ugly stuff, you know, that you wouldn't wish on anybody. And, and a lot of times it's loss. And so to sit in the living room of a family that lost a 21-year-old child, you know, who died from suicide and how this family continues on and their youngest son is a division one college football player and what does this mean for him and how did the family decide that he should continue down this path i mean these are heavy invasive personal questions that you are trying to deliver as delicately as possible while also getting as much back from them as possible. That story uh, comes to mind because I sobbed for the first time ever while sitting across from a subject because what this father was saying about the death of his 21-year-old son was excruciating. 
And you can't help but as a parent to put yourself in that space and to think about what type of trauma that creates for not only that father, but the mother and the older brother and the younger brother and the football team and the community and, you know, it's just the, the ripples just keep going out further and further. And I don't know if I was just overwhelmed by the task of telling that story or if I was just so heartbroken for what that family was going through, but we had to cut because I couldn't keep it together. Now, I wouldn't say that that's the most professional I've ever been, right? Like your hope is that you can separate yourself a little bit, but I also feel like leaning into that space means I will give it even that much more attention or um, care, right? Like handle with care because I've been in that intimate space with that family and the last thing I want to do is misrepresent or let them down. Yeah, the family's going to trust that this matters to you just not as much, but it matters to you. A, a tremendous family. But again, just I don't think that people recognize when they're watching. I know that people are emotionally invested and I know that they have an emotional reaction to it, but we are in it. You know, and then it's conversations with this family and then it's, hey, send us all of your photographs of your child that has since passed away. And if you have video, because video is always a better, you know, more captivating medium. If you have videos, you know, so like we're really putting them through the ringer, Carl, you know, and again, the hope is and the promise that we make them is this will be worth it. We promise to honor your son. We promise to honor your family. And we want, you know, for this family, it's, you know, it's about um, mental health awareness. And so they recognize that the platform that ESPN has will do wonders to get that message out there. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, we'll switch gears a little bit. No real smooth transition out of that. But I guess on the topic of family, you are now back in Milwaukee as, as kind of a home base for your family. Your husband covers the Bucks and Brewers for FS Wisconsin. You're uh, in a good place where you can still do your ESPN duties, but based here in Milwaukee. Uh, I'd be curious what it's like coming back as this for this as a, as a home after all these years. Obviously, you were here for Marquette. You were here for seven years with Fox 6, but you must notice some pretty big changes in the area as you uh, now settle back in. There are big changes. I mean, obviously, the success of the Bucks and the Brewers, because obviously we're very we're a very sports centric yeah. family, um, has done wonders for Milwaukee's kind of footprint nationally, right? Like. I've been at ESPN for four years now. It was very difficult to get traction from a Milwaukee sports standpoint nationally. Kind of always in the Cubs shadow, you know, 2016, the Cubs obviously win the World Series. But then last year, the Brewers just explode onto the scene. They win game 163. They make a deep run into the postseason. Um, You can't ignore them anymore. You know, you kind of have to. And then it was almost kismic that the Bucks and Giannis had this unbelievable season. And he is a And he's a worldwide phenomenon. We're talking about, you know, constricted by the borders of the United States or even the continent. We're talking about an audience that spans the globe for this guy. Um, So once again, it was almost as though Milwaukee made it so you couldn't ignore it, it, which is kind of where Milwaukee and I have a lot in common, right? Like, it's like, I feel like we're we're connected in that way. Um, And so that was exciting to see. But I still think at the heart of this area is just good people, kind people, hardworking people, And I think that that is attractive to anybody who is starting a family or continuing to grow a family. You you want to know that if you weren't around, you know, like, and I don't mean in like the, you know, going on to right, the next dark sense, life no. type of thing. But if you weren't around... <laughs> like say you travel for work every like you week. travel for work, that your neighbors kind of pick and pick up the slack, that your community picks up the slack, that the parents of the kids that you're... Um, child goes to school with that you all have the same type of values and that has never changed in in my experience in wisconsin it has always been very you know deep seated in values um which is part of the reason why we also decided to land up here on the north shore you know i worked at fox six which is just a stone's throw from here i know the type of people and the values that this area has so while we were looking for homes you know, and we wanted a neighborhood, you know, we wanted a place where our kids could ride bikes and be out in the front yard and you're not worried about 
anything sure. really you know now just full disclosure we still lock our doors so i don't want anybody thinking like oh listen to this pollyanna yeah. lady over here north shore nancy who <laughs> you know everything's super safe we still lock our doors and we have an alarm system so don't so mess with Jen. just want to make sure that we get that out there on the record for anybody who might be having ulterior um, motives um but no in all seriousness it has been a good transition for us it was really important for us to get our family under the same roof um we were doing long distance for a year which is very challenging especially with a newborn we have two crazy dogs like you know getting a backyard for them to run around in and stuff like that it was all a priority so I think like anything else it's it's falling back into relationships it's reconnecting with friends who you might have lost touch with it's you know hey where's the laundromat where's the grocery store where's the eye doctor where's the thing where do I get waxed it's super important for me like I got to figure that out right I got a mustache if we're not too careful <laughs> so you got to make sure you have that taken care of um, and just making sure that like you know you're checking all of those boxes as you you know get closer to yeah. college football season as you said because once that ramps up it'll be hard to kind of you know keep doing all of those logistical things sure. right you yeah. by that time you want to be in a routine you want to be able to kind of click 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 your way through the day slash week slash months until the end of the season i'd be curious any uh any favorite spots either you're out with family so it's for the kids or just you and your husband restaurant wise entertainment wise that either you were like yes this is still here or ooh, that's new i like that so when we first got to town um, I was over at my sister and brothers and they live just down the street in River Hills and we were you know which is another great perk right like my family's close yeah. by so we've kind of tried to get together for Sunday din dinners occasionally and uh, I said oh, I'll zip over to Calderon Club over on Port Washington and I'll pick up some Italian for dinner so I go in there and it was so I was not at all prepared for this but of course they were like Jen Latta are you back? <laughs> and, I, and like, it's a small, intimate dining space there at the Port Washington location. And I like was a little bit embarrassed. I felt my face get very flushed, but I was like, yes, we just moved back. And they were just gushing about how great it was to watch me on ESPN and how they were such big fans of mine at Fox 6. And it was kind of like that welcome back to Milwaukee moment, right? Of like, okay, you know, there were some people who gave me a hard time for leaving and moving on and trying to advance my career. But at the end of the day, it looks like people are still cool with me. You There's know what I mean? Like table. people are still cool. And it was really, it was a nice, it was a nice moment. I went back and told my family and they were like, you know, laughing about it as well. But it was a good reminder again of what I said earlier about just like really good, solid people here in yeah. this area. You want to finish up with some quick hitters? Some, uh, sure. I got yeah. a list, list of superlatives and then maybe some quick questions for sure. you from your career yeah. as well. All right. Let's go with some ESPN superlatives. Who's the best hang at the network, the life of the party when, uh, when you guys are out and about? Okay, so I don't hang a lot with <laughs> ESPNers. I do have friends uh, at ESPN. Uh, one of the things that we do there, and this is not going to be a quick hitter for you, but I have been really impressed and thankful for the network of women that I have found at ESPN. Um, there's this perception of our industry at every level, really, but certainly at the network level of competitiveness and kind of cutthroat and how if someone is getting attention, that means someone is not getting attention. But what I found is there's a bunch of us women there who have just kind of worked our tails off to get to the network level and are not only um, appreciative of the other people who have had similar paths, but also supportive of those people. And so I feel very lucky to have found this group of women who, at the end of the day, you know, there's no cattiness, there's no jealousy, there's no envy. You know, sometimes you might, you know, you are, are applauding when they achieve something because that means that that's another door they've opened up or maybe another glass ceiling that's been broken. Um, so that's the first thing I would say when it comes to um, my experience at ESPN is it's has not been for me that narrative yeah. of, you know, Row! type of thing. I still say that Scott Van Pelt is the coolest cat at ESPN. Um, he's got that late show. It's got that like chill vibe. He's got the radio background. So nothing seems overproduced. Nothing seems over, you know, overly done. It's all just like, here's the scoop, man. You know, and like you just feel like he would be the type of guy that would be cool to grab beers with. He is an exceptional guy, um, very committed to his family, obviously committed to his job as well. But when I've been at big time events, he's the guy that I think a lot of people gravitate toward. And I think, you know, he just has really good energy yeah. and that comes through on the air. How about most talented? 
most talented at the network. So it's so difficult to so quantify know, right what question. like talent. I mean, I know we have a million talented people. Um, most talented. Maria Taylor is ex- incredibly talented and not in the it doesn't appear like she's trying too hard, which, again, I think is like a sign of really talented yeah. people. Um, it comes across as effortless and she is a gem of a human being as well. So like all the success that comes to her is totally warranted. I, I applaud her. I'm excited for her. I mean, her and I work intimately together on game day. She is, you know, hopping on a wheels up to go to, you know, this site to hang with this team. Then she's at game day. Then she's hopping on a wheels up to head to the game of the night on ABC. And then, you know, whenever she finally her head finally hits the pillow um she's so she's a very diligent worker um but also she devotes so much of her free time to lifting and empowering the next generation of broadcasters which is something that not a lot of people invest in and she is all there a hundred percent there so i think it takes it takes an incredibly talented person to be so confident in where they are in their career that they're willing to give away all their secrets. Yeah. And that's what she does. Very cool. How about who's the funniest? My girlfriend, Diana Rossini, is <laughs> just a riot. She's insane, um, but in the best way. Just another authentic person, um, you know, who has found her way at a very, um, you know, complicated space at ESPN you know sometimes you feel like uh, am I getting lost in the shuffle and she has managed to really carve out a niche for herself in the NFL space I have been to her home hung out with her family they're all just a bunch of like crazy Italians you know um, and and they're from Jersey like so if you put like Jersey and Italian together you just know you're getting like you know HBO reality show it's type be stuff. No yeah, exactly. What. And and I think again, going back to authentic, authentic. She's yeah. just an authentic person, and she's authentically funny. Um, I tell her all the time, like her social media is just, it's just off the wall. <laughs> you know, she'll she'll do. She texted something the other day or tweeted something the other day, and I was like, why are you auditioning for a job you already have? And she was like, hashtag drunk. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Got it. Um, so yeah, and I'll she and and her and I are really supportive of one another, yeah. and so um, it's a really good friendship that I've developed that uh, that I think keeps me sane as well. How about best athlete at the network? And you can put yourself in there because we no know the, the high Not school track background, and we had some I coworkers mean, at Fox Six tell us that we had to mention that you crushed everyone in a tough mutter back in the day <laughs> when you were here in Milwaukee. <laughs> That's hilarious that they still remember that. No, I mean we have such a roster of athletes at ESPN. You know, um, we have the Hasselbeck brothers, right? Which you wouldn't maybe necessarily. I've heard they the are actually, tier, but they're incredibly very, very, athletic. Yeah. Jay Williams is an incredible athlete on the basketball court you know Jalen Rose works at ESPN my goodness is where does Jalen Rose rank as far as some of our best athletes you know would you consider Peyton Manning an athlete he's now an ESPNer um you know maybe not the most athletic quarterback but damn he's got the goods to back it up right from a career standpoint that's too hard there's okay. too, there's right, too, we'll there's too many people <laughs> at the network how about uh more more career wise what is uh the best either venue or atmosphere or just game that you've gotten to witness in your lengthy sports career I was Well, again, so I covered the Packers at Lambeau for seven years, which was incredible. I mean, I've covered Brett Favre games that like will go down in history. It's very hard for things to match that level of intensity and excitement and um, and, you know, maybe historic significance as far as like a Hall of Famer. Right. That we had here in Wisconsin for all those years. But maybe from a recency bias standpoint, I covered the SEC championship game this past year between Alabama and Georgia. And what a slugfest that was. Right. Like I thought for sure Georgia was going to come out with that one. And that could have changed the entire landscape of the college football playoff so from a what was riding on its standpoint who was playing standpoint you know where the SEC ranks as far as college football standpoint I could go on and on but like you know watching Kirby Smart and Nick Saban try to out chess match each other you know I'm standing on the sidelines going this is this is big um that to me feels recently like the most significant game that any of the environment you know down there in Atlanta and and you're in a dome so just the noise factor I mean it all when you start adding up all of those things it was just like it blew my mind it just blew my mind all right only two more 
last kind of sports-related one career-wise, what's still on your bucket list, the top of the bucket list for you in terms of what you'd love to cover? I, I have several things. I mean, every year I apply for the lottery for the Masters. I want to get down to Augusta, you know, and, and enjoy some of those cheap snacks. Yeah. Pimento cheese sandwiches. Well, right? because I'm very much a cheapskate. Like, we haven't discussed this, Carl, but like I will, any bargain is a good bargain in my opinion. So yeah, cheese sandwiches for like a buck or two, good with that. We the, can uh, recommend some good happy hours now that you're back in town here in Milwaukee. Fantastic. Doesn't matter how much money I make, if I could keep more of my money, I'm That's the goal. Big fan of that uh, concept. Uh, so the Masters is on my bucket list. I have never been to the Indy 500. Mm. I've never been to the Kentucky Derby. Like again. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, so I've been to Super Bowls, I've covered playoff games, I've covered um, uh, baseball playoff games. Uh, I went to the World Series as a Cubs fan, which was pretty incredible as well um, as far as a, uh, as a bucket list item. But I think those are the three things that kind of stand out. You know, my husband wants to go over to Europe and do like the whole Monaco thing and, and kind of yeah. like make a vacation out of it. But we keep having kids, so that becomes <laughs> difficult. So that's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, 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 maybe when we're 60, that'd be cool. You know, like, um, but then we always talk about how much more money we'll have when we're 60. And then we talk about how well we have to pay for college tuition. So we actually won't have that much more money. The conversation just goes around in circles. (laughs) Um, But those are the three things that like I would love to knock out within the in the near future. The Kentucky Derby, the Masters and the Indy 500. Quite a trifecta. All right. Last thing. Do you have a classic Tom Pippen story for us? Okay, so. Working with Pip was extraordinary. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly. Um, and I say this, and I, let me be serious for a moment before I break into my story. I was working in sports at a time where it was not, it wasn't normal. It was becoming more normalized, but it still wasn't normal to have women in your sports department. And I was 25 years old when I was hired to work at Fox 6. Jesse Garcia was in town and uh, Trenny Kaznarek had been in town and had since moved on to Pittsburgh and Stephanie Sutton was over at WISN 12. But it, it still was kind of like the fad thing. It was kind of like a trend thing. You didn't know if it was going to stick. And the reason that I stuck, in addition to what we've discussed, my work ethic and things like that, my talent, was because Tom and Tim created an environment where I never felt like I didn't belong. They never made me feel like if I made a mistake, it was the end of the world. They never made me feel like if I erred, I was a poor reflection on the department or on them because they had taken a chance on me. That was never a that was never something I felt. That was never something that they put out there. And and I wonder if they had if it would have made me more introverted, made me more closed off, made me take less risks, made me put myself out there less. And so I, in retrospect, you know, the older I get and the more I realize how lucky I was to be in that environment, I'm so thankful that I worked with incredibly talented people, yeah, absolutely. but also incredibly good people, which Tom and Tim both are, and Mickey Leach by extension as well, who was there, yeah, or, and still is, right? Mickey's still there, right? Photographer extraordinary, yep, <laughs> still going strong. Um, but again, never made me feel like I was an imbecile or that I was like the Achilles heel of the department or just a pretty face or any of those other like things that you might hear uh, in that space. So very encouraging, very supportive, but my one Tom Pippen story that I just cannot shake is that Tim Van Vorn and I had covered the entire Packers season leading up to the Super Bowl. (laughs) And I get a call from our news director when I'm down in Chicago before they even played in the NFC Championship game against the Bears. And the news director says, hey, just wanted to let you know that if the Packers win, Tom is going to be covering the Super Bowl. And I was like, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, what now? (laughs) Time out. So he repeats it, and he took he took exceeding joy in delivering this message. Like this guy was not a sports fan. I don't think that he was a fan of mine, and and I could just hear it in his voice that this was like the highlight of his day was delivering to me that I had been, you know, toiling. And you know, listen, covering the Green Bay Packers is an incredible luxury and privilege, but it is also hard work. Yeah. It's Green Bay is like 
it feels like six hours from here. Okay, it's an hour 45, but it feels like six hours, especially after a loss. And you're schlepping up there to cover practice and schlepping back. And for anybody who's been at Lambeau, there's this long catwalk that goes from the press elevator to the elevator that takes you down to the field and vice versa. And it's fine in September and it's fine in October, but you start getting a little closer to November and December and that is a pain. It is <laughs> awful. So like you put in all this work and you've paid all your dues and then to get the call that Pip was covering the Super Bowl and I had to stay home and do wake-up duties for two weeks. Don't go hating on wake-up now. I feel like but we've gotten along for a while. Here, we Jen. have gotten along, but, I, but I'm a <laughs> but night a side switch. talent. Yeah. It's a big switch. And I have a child at home. My son at the time I think was two and I'm a single mom and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work. Like the, the list of babysitters guys that you can roll over at 4 a.m. is very short. I'm you struggling with I mean? that right now. If you have any names, yeah, I might yeah, take Yeah, exactly. You on it. It, was, it's, it was very, ch- so again, I understand obviously now how hierarchy works and, you know, Pip being the sports director of the department and whatnot, but that is my one Pip story that like he pipped me, he <laughs> pipped me at the Super Bowl. You actually got pipped. I actually Pip. got pipped, Wally pipped, yeah. by Pip uh, for the Super Bowl. But no, I mean, we had such a such a fantastic time during our stretch. And I remember crying when I made the decision to leave and go to Chicago um, because I knew that I probably was never going to be in as wonderful an environment yeah. as I was at Fox 6. Well, I know those guys, the folks at the Calderon Club, everybody else, very happy to uh, see your success and also to have you back here in Milwaukee. Thank it's you so nice much for all the there. time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It is time now for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, a chance for us to get to know one of the faces, one of the voices that you get to see in here on Fox Six each and every day. We are happy to be joined by Angelica Sanchez, or Angie Sanchez as we know her. Thank you for having me. Started in 2016, uh, just a few months after me, so we're both kind of figuring this thing out here in Milwaukee, although uh, we like to think of ourselves as veterans maybe now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that have nothing to do with your reporting, with the Most Wanted series, with all the wonderful features <laughs> you do for the station, uh, but you guys should check out all the work that Angie does. First and foremost, besides the actual job, the chance to work here at Fox 6, what was it about Milwaukee that drew you to the area? Uh, Well, the proximity to home, which is Chicago, because I have a lot of family out there. So that was number one. Number two, just everybody that I spoke to who had worked in Milwaukee or was still working in Milwaukee just talked about what an amazing city it is and just how diverse of a city it it is. And that was something that was really important to me, um, was just to be able to be in an area that was diverse, had a lot of culture, because that, you know, again, expands the type of stories you're going to be able to tell and the type of people you'll be coming across. So uh, the other thing that really drew me to Milwaukee was when I heard festivals, like (laughs) (laughs) summer festivals in Milwaukee really make it for a fun time. So even though it's like, okay, Wisconsin's known for being cold, there's this, you know, couple of months where it's just summertime. It is a lot of fun to be out it there. It is so. on, and we're going to live it up for uh, yeah. the, the few months <laughs> that we have when the temperature's nice. Uh, outside of your work here at the station or hanging out at home, where are we most likely to find you around the area? Well, I live near the south side of Milwaukee, so I love going out there and exploring the restaurants. Cool. Uh, my boyfriend and I love going to Cafe Fiesta or Fiesta Cafe, Cafe Fiesta. Either way, the food's good. (laughs) The food's good there, yeah. It just opened up about a year and a half ago on the south side. It's amazing food, organic food. Nice. um, And it's really good Mexican food. So I'm always looking for those really good Mexican restaurants because I miss my mom's (laughs) cooking. I'm sure it'll never live up to that, but it at least gets close maybe, right? (laughs) Well, that may be uh, my next uh, question here. But besides that, what was the last great meal that you had and where around the area? Uh, My boyfriend and I went to San Giorgio's, which is, I believe, on Old World 3rd Street. Uh, The pizza there is phenomenal. I had heard about it. The reviews, definitely the pizza lives up to every positive (laughs) review that place has had. We had margarita pizza and red wine and uh, the margarita pizza. We ordered a side of prosciutto. Nice. It was delicious. And I recommend that place (laughs) for anybody. In the wintertime, though, because of the weather, of course, you need reservations to get in there. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you really need to call in advance. But right on the summertime, it's pretty easy to 
go in and get a table. That's some good inside info there. Uh, let's see what we have next here. Okay, we're filming the movie of your life, the story of Angie Sanchez. <laughs> Who uh, gets the honor of playing you in that movie? All right, so I thought about this, <laughs> and uh, I'm really into Gina Rodriguez right Ooh, now. Oh, nice. I just finished watching her series, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. That wrapped up, and then I watched a movie last night on Netflix, Someone Great, and she does a phenomenal job on that as well. So... I would love for Gina Rodriguez to play me in a movie. And she's she's played a writer before. Yeah. So I feel like, okay, that's kind of close in nice. career paths and just her personality, her passion, her spunkiness. Like, I just, I feel like I relate to that. So. I certainly don't know her at all, but I get similar <laughs> vibes, right? Lots of energy, going to be very entertaining for people. I like it. All right. Uh, what is a talent or skill that we don't necessarily get to see on TV displayed <laughs> everywhere, every day that we should know about? Um, you definitely don't see me playing tennis on TV. Ooh. But yes, when I was in high school, I was in varsity tennis. I picked it up way later in life when I was a teenager. And uh, it's something that I try to do in the summertime. Don't get a lot of time now because we have such busy schedules. But yes, whenever I pick up that racket, I just, it comes back. Muscle memory comes back. What kind of player are you? Are you like dominant ground strokes, big serve? What are are we looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much (laughs) All of the above. All right. I'm very competitive in (laughs) in my profession. And that certainly comes out when I'm on a tennis court. So there's that. And I'm actually a really good gardener. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really am. Like I just, I feel like I have that green thumb. Like when it comes to growing vegetables or flowers. Flowers. We used to have this great garden back home. And my mom's like, How I don't know how you do it, but somehow like nothing dies out here and you're not even using like pesticides or fertilizers yeah, or anything right. like that. Like so I might need to get some tips because most of our flowers are dead. So oh, no. <laughs> we might need to work on that or get some help from you. All right. Uh, last question for you. What is the most random job you've ever had? Random job I've had um, was probably my first job, and that was selling women's shoes. Nice. Baker's Shoe Store, which I think is out of business now, but that was uh, that was my first job. Oh, and then when I was a, a teenager, um, like maybe 14 years old, I worked for this company that like they rented out spaces. And like moms would come with kids and do crafts and activities. Oh, and yeah, so I would help out with that on the weekends. So right. those are the two jobs that, you know. Crafty, green yeah. thumb. Were you a good saleswoman? Were you, were you able to close some deals? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Tenacious reporter and a good salesman. Yeah, well. yeah. So uh, yeah, women's shoes. That was definitely a memorable job. And Very cool. Well, that is Angelica Sanchez. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And that is a wrap on another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thanks once again to Jen Latta and Angelica Sanchez for sharing some of their stories with us. And a huge thank you to the person you don't hear putting this all together behind the scenes, executive producer Leanne Watson. If you want more from Definitely Milwaukee, please subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Leave us a rating and a review. And a reminder, you can also check out our other Fox 6 podcast, Open Record. You can find those episodes along with Definitely Milwaukee also anytime on fox6now.com. Oh, 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 oh